Welcome to Newest, Latest, Best, the quick daily show to keep you in the know with all the newest information, latest releases, and the very best that games have to offer. I'm Jeff Kanata, and today is Thursday, August 3rd, 2017. Some special content on Newest, Latest, Best today. I got an interview with the co-founder, chief creative officer, and president of Ready at Dawn, Rue Virasurier. And you've heard me rave about their new game, Lone Echo, on Oculus. Uh, you will, <laughs> there will be more raving today. But I was very excited to sit down with Rue and discuss the process of making that game and what makes it so special. So sit back and relax. Enjoy this interview. Rue had uh, not the greatest audio quality on his end. He was sitting in his office and it's a little echoey, so I apologize for that. I tried to fix it as best I could, but I still think it's very much a uh, worthwhile listen. I don't think you'll have too much problem understanding what he's saying in the echo. So enjoy. I am joined now by Ruvira Surier. He is the co-founder, chief executive officer, and president at Ready at Dawn. And Ru last spoke to me a little over a year ago. Uh, he was on DLC, and we talked about uh, Deformers, Ready at Dawn's game that came out uh, about a year ago. And in that interview, he and I talked a little bit about... Uh, a mystery VR project that was in the works. And uh, here we are a year later and Lone Echo has come out and it is, I think probably my game of the year right now, beating out Horizon and uh, Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild and a whole bunch of very excellent games this year. And I'm so glad to have you back, Ruth. Thanks for joining me again. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Uh, first of all, the game's Amazing. And it's fun. I went back and listened to our discussion about a year ago in June, early June of uh, 2016. And uh, you were very excited at that point about this game that, we, that you couldn't talk about. But uh, you talked about how your studio was breaking a lot of what were considered to be the established rules of VR at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk a little bit about that now that we kind of know how Lone Echo works? Yeah, sure. Actually, it was kind of tough actually at the time to, to drop the right hints. But, uh, but I mean, approaching this project in VR for us was not just about uh, a new medium, a new uh, way of displaying a game, which was, uh, you know, going from a TV screen to VR. Uh, our big push was always about what the next boundary was that we needed to cross. And, and for us, very early on, it was movement. Uh, we always felt that VR had a great future, but we just felt that the future would not exist until we truly were able to immerse ourselves and, and touch and, and travel around the worlds that we're creating. And uh, for us, it came from, uh, from an original idea that was uh, just that movement model that you see that we got inspired by, you know, astronauts on the ISS station, you know, that zero G feel, uh, what, what it would feel like to have, to use your hands just the way you would use your legs. And in the beginning, I think a lot of people had concerns that, um, People were going to get sick. That that was automatically the answer that anybody that looked at this would look at would, would give us. And we pushed further. We we did try certain things that really kind of did get people uncomfortable. But we needed to find a boundary, and the boundary came from uh, being able to build a movement model and breaking that boundary, uh, building a movement model that actually people feel comfortable with. But beyond anything else, forget the technical side. 
it basically opened the door to true immersion. Because immersion, visual immersion is one thing, but tactile immersion is everything in VR. I agree. And it's an extraordinary experience playing Lone Echo. But my understanding is you guys were working on that concept before the touch controllers were available. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Actually, we had no idea that touch was going to be around. Uh, it seems kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's kind of funny because it's uh, if you saw the first demo, and I don't know if we released, I think we might have already released a video of that first demo that we did. It was uh, just a gamepad. Uh, and you use the triggers to basically kind of push these two spheres out attached, attached to your body by two strings. You didn't have a body even. So your hands were literally two spheres. And all you did was like basically go left, right, left, right, and just attach to places in the world and kind of monkey bar around. Right. And kind of like the climb worked maybe? Yeah, a little bit like that. In, uh, the only difference here was that we had this kind of uh, zero-g feel where once you attack to something and you look towards a certain direction and you let and you push off, you got the, the velocity that you had by the push-off and you could attach to a different side of, uh, you know, I think our, our first demo was inside like a kind of an old atrium. So you would go from one wall to the other and it would feel like, oh, you know what? That just feels like I, well, what we think an astronaut would actually feel like in space. Yeah. And it's only afterwards that we got that whole, uh, you know what, guys? I think you, what you're building would work great for this peripheral that we're thinking about. <laughs> and we're building <laughs> That's amazing because I, I can't even imagine it without the peripheral because so much of the joy of Lone Echo for me is, you know, being able to look in one direction and push off in another and feeling so nimble and dexterous in zero G. And, and it really does make me feel like an awesome astronaut, you know? Yeah. I mean, actually, you're right. It's it's weird to think about it without the, the touch. And, and actually, as a matter of fact, from the original idea to the point when we started working with touch – Touch actually brought another level of, uh, of what we wanted to do with it. Originally, it was just, okay, put your hands around something, push off, great. But then when we saw Touch and what Touch allowed us to do, then it became, some, became uh, you know, about uh, completely kind of emulating our hands, emulating our fingers, wrapping around objects. All of that basically was kind of uh, us pushing and then uh, pushing forward and then seeing Touch and Touch basically giving us ideas about how much further we could go. And you're right, today, uh, we couldn't think of the game without the touch. And as a matter of fact, that's why uh, I think right after, I think I want to say three, four months after we started working with the touch, we talked to Oculus and said, look, guys, I think we just want to make this in a, a touch exclusive. And they absolutely had no problem with it. That's awesome. Uh, another thing that I am so impressed with with the game is that I don't kill anything. In, mm -hmm. you know, And, and I, I mean, I absolutely love that. It, it is a a tension-filled, exciting experience. Uh, it is uh, uh, dramatic and uh, all of the things I'm looking for from a you know space fantasy game, a science fiction yeah. game. But you managed to do that without having anything trying to murder me uh, and, <laughs> and me trying to murder anything else. And I, I think that's incredible. And I, I've spoken for a long time about how I think VR in particular, the tech just kind of lends itself to doing smaller things that feel fun. Like I feel like if, if what I did in Lone Echo was on a 2D screen, it wouldn't be nearly as fun because the joy is in the doing. Yes. Yeah. I agree completely. And, and it's funny that you bring that up the whole, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, you're doing all of this without killing anything. And, and I think there's definitely room for all of that. There's, there's no doubt that you can actually do so much with uh, gameplay 
and we have such a such a vast horizon actually in front of us to to explore and do different things. But that that is, as you said, the the, the true fun of VR is immersion. The true fun of, of of VR is is doing is doing the things and and feeling like you are that person doing it rather than I'm pressing a button and this avatar is doing it for me. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, it it is it is kind of a. a, a this kind of boundary that that uh, that VR provides us, oh, actually, this boundary that we can break through VR that you normally wouldn't find actually on a regular game. Yeah, and you and you spoke about uh, having the inspiration of the game sort of being the real International Space Station, and mm-hmm. the early sections of the game I find to be so fun, and it really is just feeling like I'm doing work. It feels like I'm I'm, I'm an astronaut doing what astronauts do, albeit in a you know a sci-fi setting, but. Mm-hmm. I, I loved the the boldness of that design to just trust that doing things is fun. Yeah, I mean, think about it this way. We, I think, in some ways, all of us that are science fiction fans, or at least look out to the out to outer space and and wonder, you know, what's out there. There is this kind of child in us that always looks at how cool it would be to be an astronaut, just to go out in space in energy, and just that thought alone, putting that in the hands of people through VR. I mean, yes, it's not, you're not in zero G, your body's not there, but your brain can be fooled to think that you're there. You're, you know, that, that was kind of the risk of, 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 of thinking and, and hoping that players would see that alone, that, that, uh, that boundary that they, that many of us will never probably cross, uh, that we are now able to do something that 99% of us will never be able to do in our lifetime. And, and, and it's cool to see actually, just as you said, uh, you know, that, players that gravitated towards that and have enjoyed just being something in VR rather than being uh, kind of almost compelled to do like, where's the next game, gameplay mechanic? How, how much more, can, you know, are you going to let me do? And I don't think people have that, those questions anymore when they are in that VR environment. Yeah, no, I think that's well said. I, I think the game is paced incredibly well. I, you know, you start in this very enclosed space and you're doing really interesting things and you're moving around this enclosed space and you're learning about the environment and then you you step out into space. And that moment was a legit gasp moment of, oh my God, I get to spacewalk now? And then, you know, where you go after that in the sort of, you know, last quarter of the game mm-hmm. is even more astounding. It, it, it just continues to to ramp up and... And I love the pace. Um, uh, Let me just bring up Olivia because I feel Uh like she is a a pretty major achievement in the game as well. Um, Usually in these kinds of games, you you, you play as the human and you have a robot assistant that can be your kind of buddy and your AI fun. I feel like doing it the opposite way was a much bigger challenge. Yes, actually, in some ways it was. In some ways it was easier. I think that uh, that... It, the natural feeling for anybody to play a game is is that you want to be the human being. You are a human being, of course, and therefore you would only expect that who you play is going to have some more affinity to you than something foreign like like a like a robot. But uh, after after thinking about that side of it, if you think about it the other way, the reality of creating uh, uh, a robot, a sentient AI what it provided us was a little bit of leeway in making sure that the player was not never put in situations where the, the, the hero, the protagonist, and you, the player, were so far apart emotionally. So one thing that I would tell you, like if you play first-person games and you're in this really tense environment, you do feel tense, but 
imagine that your your character said something so kind of uh, how, how would I say it? like either a moment of shock or awe or, or or horror whatever it is if that character reacts but you as a player are not really in tune because you're playing a game you have a barrier and you don't feel exactly the way it feels you suddenly disconnect from your main hero and we felt all right if you put the player in in the shoes of a human being we need to make that human being really emote and react really kind of strongly to certain things but what if the player didn't react that way what if the player didn't really feel the way the the character does what the android allowed allowed us to do is to actually approach the player from a from a different point of view which was the android can remain a little bit distant emotionally distant emotionally which is closer to what the player would feel when playing the game yeah but but then the boundary the new boundary actually the, the vr npc became the new challenge for us which was can we actually then create a human being that is actually going to be more human than you as a player and that was actually kind of a cool idea I want to say two years ago uh, as a as a it would be awesome to do that and then soon you realize that it is a massive task that is much more than what you sign up for <laughs> and yeah and, and I mean I, I mean we're really happy with where, where we've been but we, we also have all these things that I know we left on the table that we'd love to explore afterwards well I mean I think that you succeeded in a way that I didn't expect I mean I what happens, I don't want to spoil anything, but what happens at the very, very end of the game with that character had me, my heart racing. And I was, you know, it's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing place you get to with that feeling of camaraderie with this human. And it must've been, uh, you know, in, in 2d games, you can definitely walk up to characters and, and look at them closely. But in a VR game, I am nose to nose with Olivia and can inspect her very close up. And somehow you managed to, to make her f- not fall into the uncanny valley too far that I was off put by it. Thank you. Thank you. That, I mean, that's great to hear. To tell you the truth, this is the reason why actually we do what we do, we, which is hearing this, hearing this from players and hearing this from people who experience the game. Uh, I, you know, you're right. I mean, it, it might not be the, the, the end all be all. It definitely isn't. I think there's a lot more. We're, we're just taking like the very first step in doing that. But uh, it is something that I think we will need in VR to make VR actually be uh, be everything that it can be. Players want to players, and I, I'm saying players. Actually, anybody who jumps into VR wants to be in an environment where the the barrier to reality actually is gone. And if we're unable to do those things uh, with an NPC, if we're unable to basically make them believe in that, it uh, it becomes tough to make them believe in anything else. And I think that that's where. For us, that challenge came in, and and funnily enough, actually, it's great to hear what you're saying about how you feel about Olivia. But the funny thing is that we also went down the wrong path with her at one point, where we made her more of a game character at one point, which was uh, you know game characters have a tendency to very much guide you through the game, but guide you in a sense where you don't feel the how would I say the bossiness of the character if yeah. you were in the game. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, it's, yeah. You have, you have, the trap is it becomes Simon Says, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I shouldn't say two D game. I mean a TV game, basically a game that you play on a TV. Right. But yeah, it's, it is Simon Says, as you said. And funnily enough, if you do Simon Says in VR, oh my god! I mean, the reaction from players is just so extreme, where they feel like I don't like her. She's bossy, and I don't want to have her around me. Wow. And that's literally how players actually would originally see one path that we took. So we had to explore all of this to make 
a character that actually you want to be around, and it, it's trickier than what I think people would uh, would see actually when they play the game. I I will tell you what I first assumed when she you know you emerge from the pod and she's in the space station and and talking to you at the very beginning of the game. There have been several VR games where I interact with human beings, but they are quickly shuffled off the stage. And I assumed that's what was going to happen is that she would very quickly leave and then I would be alone in the space station and doing a lot of things. And it was such a joy to stay with her and ha- interact with her throughout the game. It just felt like this wonderful relationship that I was developing. Um, well, thanks. I'm, I, I th- thank you. I mean, I think that uh, that one of the things that I saw some a couple of players say, and I also saw a few people actually write about it, was that she made uh, the moments in the game uh, that you experience, especially with her, no longer feel like um, just experiences and moments in any game where you would just actually watch something and be like, oh, it was a cool moment when this happened. And a lot of people actually equated it to true memories that they've had. And that was the interesting thing where they said, actually, I have memories of being with her inside this game. And... That's a massive compliment to this whole team. I have to tell you, like people, people were just like overjoyed when they heard that stuff. That's great. Yeah, no, I, I there are so many little touches in the game too that I think speaks to the the care and attention that your team put into it. Um, all of the little things that you can find in the space station that speak to the history of of being there and and you know the life that's being lived. All of that I felt mm-hmm. like was was really wonderful and. One thing in particular that I, I found so incredible was, uh, you know, when bad stuff does happen to Jack, uh, that you can come and see your your old body frozen in space there. It, it was so jarring to me and so powerful, uh, a visual. I thought yeah. that was so neat. Yeah, that's actually kind of cool. It's like it's, a, it's that moment where you kind of go like, oh, this actually could be real. <laughs> and we didn't want to break that boundary. And that, that was why we left those bodies and everything over there. It's just because... It makes you feel like actually this could happen and it could go bad and, and this is how, how maybe potentially life could be. And I think that that's one thing that this team has always kind of looked to, uh, the connection to real life, even though the worlds that we create are, are, are of course fictional. We always try to figure out how believable we can make things and, and that was definitely one of those pieces actually that we want to keep. Yeah, I think the the entire interface is like that as well. And I wonder if you can speak to um, coming up with that. I mean, even how wonderful it is to, you know, scan something and then pull the tab out, which reveals like this information display, mm-hmm. all of that, all so ta- tactile and, and, and satisfying to do. Actually, you hit the nail on the head. It's the tactile feel. For us, most of this came from uh, you know, it wasn't the it wasn't like we had all this design, right? When we started the project. But every, all of these little design mechanics, all of this stuff about UI that we did, they all were born out of being in VR. And being in VR allows you to do things where you kind of go, all right, wow, I could have not imagined doing this because in a, in a regular game, because yeah, I, I could build the same exact thing, but it wouldn't have the same kind of uh, attachment that I would have if I was able to touch it. And definitely uh, with, the, with the scanning, as you said, even the... the the narrative actually uh, that's that's been done throughout the game. The fact that originally the narrative was go- not going to be picked the way it was, uh, it was more of like a select. Uh, very orig- originally, it was more of a you know uh, scroll up, scroll down, and select what you want to say. And here we kind of find ourselves saying like we want to touch everything. I want I want to be able to pick what I want to say by by actually having that tactile feel even on that button. Yeah. So 
everything in the world actually was guided by literally the one word you brought up, which is tactile. Everything in the world had to be tactile because that's what VR actually, again, provides us compared to everything else. It's that feeling that you are there, not visually there, but that you are there by connection to the world. Well, like I said, I, you know, I absolutely love the game and I, I hope more people, uh, play it because they heard this because I, I just think it, it needs to be, it needs to be a huge hit. And I'm hoping there's more. I know last time we spoke, you were teased a little bit about this game. Uh, is there going to be more Lone Echo in, in the future? Or are you guys working on other VR concepts? That's a great question. Uh, let's see, what, what hints did I drop to a year ago? Uh, I'm trying to figure this out. But uh, here, here's what I could tell you. It, we, we, while making this game, we left a lot of things actually out there that, uh, that I know we know could work, but we also felt were just too much of an endeavor to actually achieve and, and deliver uh, in the right way. So, yeah, the team has a lot of ideas. Uh, there's a lot of ideas that came from just Lone Echo alone. There are ideas that came from being in VR that have sometimes nothing to do with Lone Echo. But uh, I think that Rad actually is uh, is in for the long haul. We, we, we found ourselves actually after, what is it now, 14 years of, uh, of, being, of making games as a, as a studio. Uh, we found ourselves actually doing something that, uh, that feels very different to us even when completing the game. It felt different because we, honestly, as weird as it sounds, we didn't know what we were doing day one. <laughs> we just did. We learned everything from the ground up, and and every single one of those uh, those uh, teachings was kind of almost a small win for us as a studio and as a as as a dev team. So I just can't. I can only foresee that we're going to keep on trying to get some more of those wins, uh, even in the design mechanics and the other things that we haven't done in VR yet. Well, that's exciting to hear. Uh, I just hope Jack doesn't ever pick up an assault rifle. Uh-huh. I don't want that to happen. I just, I love the, the fact that we can have at least one of these games that isn't, isn't also a wave shooter. <laughs> I will keep that in mind. I appreciate it. And thanks so much for being here again. Uh, I'm such a big fan of, uh, of Lone Echo and of Ready at Dawn. So thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Jeff. Thanks so much.